what are some things that people should be cautious about whether they're getting into modeling or they want to look at being a, a burlesque dancer? So I'll touch on burlesque first. How tall are you? Don't tell anybody. Okay. I'm 4'11". Oh, wow. What have been some of the characters that you played and what's been a favorite? A fan favorite is Yoshi. The thing is, before my routine, you'll see me behind the stage doing jumping jacks. Because if I am sitting still, I will think of a million reasons to be nervous. Influencer Insight shares the battles, stories, success of the models, influencers, and entrepreneurs as they find the balance of being influential leaders today while creating long-lasting impact for the future. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Influencer Insights, where I have Debbie Diablo from kind of the Orlando area in Florida. She's joining me via Zoom tonight, and we're talking about her career as a creator. She she creates content online. She's a dancer. She's a model. She's looking to expand into different genres in the modeling sphere. And so we're really glad to have her on tonight. Uh, she's also had some really challenging and interesting experiences in the modeling world. She really wants to share a lot of those kind of details to anybody that's looking to get into the interest industry or looking to expand themselves. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You, I, We kind of chatted beforehand. You talked about starting in the dancing industry, I guess, uh, kind of when you were in your late teens. So tell us a little bit about that background, how you got started in, into dancing and that sort of thing. Yeah. So at 19 years old, I went to my very first burlesque show and absolutely fell in love with the art that I wouldn't stop going to every single burlesque show in my area to the point where they asked me, do you just want to join and I felt starstruck. It was such a magical moment for me. And ever since then, I have been a contracted burlesque dancer. And through burlesque, I was able to branch out into modeling through the event photographers that would be there. Right. And I also am an opera singer as well. Oh, beautiful. That's uh, yeah. kind of well-rounded and lots of skills that fit together well, right? So thanks. <laughs> t tell us about uh, Debbie growing up. Like, you mentioned that you got into dancing kind of later teens, but what was your growing up life like? Where did you where did you come from, and what was your interest when you were younger? Um, so I am from the same area I live in now. I've always been in Orlando my entire life, and growing up, I was always very music centered. Uh, I didn't really have a dance background as a child because I did come from an underprivileged family. But uh, my mom always made sure that I was able to get to my church voice lessons because those were the ones that we could afford. And I was very involved in choir and theater throughout school. And that's my background. Cool. It never quite ceases to me how many people that get into, especially singing, I've noticed a lot. There's some church musical, whether it's choir or <laughs> band practice and that kind of thing that, that get it come from there so that's pretty cool right on what uh the going to the first burlesque show that you did was it a friend that invited you or you just decided to go for fun or how did you make that first show so actually my sister has been a burlesque dancer way longer than i have oh, okay and they invited me to that show it was actually funny story it was supposed to be for my mom's birthday we were going to oh. take my mom for her birthday to a burlesque show to see her own daughter <laughs> who my mom ended up not going so it was just me by myself so my sister was a big influence in me getting into the dancing world oh wow cool hey models 
Thanks for tuning in today. Hope that you're enjoying the episode. It's Ben here. I just wanted to invite you to the Influencer and Model Support Group on Facebook, where we've got a great growing community of people looking to help support, share tips and tricks on how to grow, become, and develop as a model. So go on Facebook, type in the search Influencer and Model Support Group, and you'll find us. Click join. You'll be added in, and you're going to find a great community of people to support you in your journey. Keeping close connection there anyway, so... Yes. Has your mom been to some of your shows now? That she has, and surprisingly, she is the biggest fan. Is that right? She, <laughs> she will be in the front row screaming, "I made that!" <laughs> <laughs> I adore her. She even sometimes brings snacks for the performers as well. Oh wow! Yeah, Just fits right into the whole crew then, right? So important to be supported by the people that are important to you, right? So for sure. What? Uh, Shifting gears a little bit into the to the modeling piece, a lot of the people that are on our podcast are models or photographers and that kind of thing. What what made that transition? Like I know it's kind of a similar thing, but why did you decide to start the modeling as well? Um, so for most of our burlesque shows, we try to have some sort of event photographer to capture our routines in action so that we can use them as promotion and to pitch for other shows. And at one of the shows, a very amazing photographer um, met up with me afterwards and said, do you ever model on the side? And I was like, no, no. definitely not. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I was actually very scared of doing it because I've always wanted to do it. I grew up watching America's Next Top Model. Sure. <laughs> and I was always told, you're too short to model so it was always something that kind of scared me. But when he told me that, um, it kind of opened doors for me. And after I started working with him, I started making connections, going to all the photo meetups like in the area. And that's how I was able to meet other photographers and branch out. How tall are you if you're too short? <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Okay. I'm 11. 4'11"? <laughs> oh, wow. Fun. Yes. Petite. <laughs> Petite. That's right. That's the word. What uh what's kind of been the coolest thing you've like doing the shoots in kind of the local Orlando area? Like did you did you go to a bunch of TSP groups where everybody just kind of got together and did some shoots or did you Yeah, um I actually went to a shoot that was sponsored by Sony, which was oh, pretty wow. cool. Like you even got like Sony gift baskets and it was nice. called Sony Alpha Female. So it was celebrating um, women photographers and women models. Mm. And then it was under like another company called uh, Women in Photography. So it was just an all around very supportive environment. Um, we walked around downtown Orlando taking very artistic photos because sure. we had, you know, the woman's eye to guide us and it was just so it was so fun and so welcoming everybody was on the best vibes possible and that was really fun um one of the other most exciting things i think i've done in modeling was i told my friend who was actually that first photographer i met i said trust the process i'm going to cover your bathroom in fake blood oh. and we're going to do a shoot <laughs> like that <laughs> was that a and little bit like, like oh my goodness kind of thing at first yeah yes he was like um 
<laughs> I don't know about that. But I told him, trust me, if I can't get it out of the wall, I will pay for it myself. And it ended up being one of my favorite shoots. I love doing the darker, like more horror themed shoots. I think they're very fun. So sure. that was that was very fun. How long does it take to set something like that up and then clean it up? After? The setup was longer than the shooting. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> Not so much because I used a syrup-based fake blood that I made, so um, it came off with just water. Okay. Yeah. Nice. How, how did you, I guess, where's the interest in that kind of genre come from? I always am drawn to things that are like darker and more on the morbid side. Um, so I decided why not mix my fascination with that with my art. And maybe think outside the box, do some shoots that other people haven't thought about yet. That certainly would be out of my comfort zone, I'm not going to lie, but... <laughs> you want to do a blood photo shoot? <laughs> well, I'm not saying I wouldn't. I'm just saying it would be a, it would be a stretch. But uh, that's very cool, though. And, I mean, there's a lot of probably a different level of depth in figuring that out, right? Because you, you've got to go to the level of gore, but also to keep it, you know classic and artistic too is a is a fine balance i'm sure so mm -hmm. it, there's definitely a fine line between um artistic horror and you're going to get this reported on instagram or <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah definitely for sure going line there well i think i've seen some of the shots and i i think you nailed it as far as uh, the artistic vibe goes so so well Thank done you. yeah <laughs> have you been able to travel or do anything kind of cool outside of Orlando with the modeling stuff or the dancing for that matter? Um, the farthest I've traveled for modeling was Cocoa Beach, which is honestly an hour out to okay. do a beach photo shoot. Cool. Um, dancing is a little bit better um, because we have like groups for those things. So I've been able to go to Tampa, St. Pete, um cool. soon i'll be going to jacksonville so nice what what do you mean when it's group is it like a kind of a network of people that you join up with and go with or is it yes yeah, so most producers in the florida area i can't speak for other states but here we do facebook groups um for casting purposes sure. so a lot of the producers will do open casting calls and they will say here is the theme here is the pay and this is what I'm looking for. And then you submit your resume, your headshot, your dance reel, and then maybe you'll get picked. There you go. It's open to every performer in Florida. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I'm sure there's a, a lot of shows, probably compared to my part of the world anyway, put it that way, uh, a lot of shows that are taking place. It's just to find the right thing that fits for you and what you want to do and probably what pays enough to make it worth it, right? So, yes. What about friends that you've met in the dancing circles? Do you have people that you connect with and work with regularly, or how do you how do you branch out? I actually met my current partner through burlesque. Oh, cool! So that was a magical moment. Um, he came to one of my very first shows. I was, oh, cool. I think, I was twenty years old. I was just a a newbie and he came to scout because he's one of the producers in the florida area and after the show he reached out to me and said i want you in my show 
I felt completely starstruck because he was also like my my celebrity crush. Oh, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> and then after that, <sighs> after got to, I know when I got the message, I was like, oh, my gosh. After that, we got to work together. He even asked me to do a duet with him, which that was I was having a heart attack just thinking about that. <laughs> Because <laughs> he is also a performer. He plays the piano and sings as well cool. as producing the shows. Cool. Um, so that was very magical. And then we just started getting closer and closer and just bonding more with performing. That's beautiful. Well, it's such a common interest and such a big part of both your lives, right? To <laughs> share that thing together. So yes. how long have you been together for now? Um. A little bit over four months. That's awesome. Very exciting. Very interesting when uh, relationships develop out of uh, such unexpected circumstances like that, right? You know, that guy looks great. Maybe, you know, whatever. Right? And then all of a sudden he's asking you out. So that's so cool. Exactly. <laughs> nice. People that wanted to, you know, say if somebody wanted to get into the, the burlesque scene or the dancing, what are some some things that you would be talking to them about? Ask a lot of questions. That's the first thing I want to say. If you see an open audition for a burlesque troupe, ask other performers what they think about that troupe before you apply. Because if you are new and starting out and you see an open audition, this is your big break. You might get a little bit excited. You haven't done your research yet. And you don't know that this troupe doesn't ethically pay their performers correctly. Mm. And you could accidentally get tricked into signing a contract with a troupe who abuses performers, underpays, and things like that. Right. Do you still, like, I mean, you're a little more experienced season now, but like how much checking around do you still do when you're getting opportunities? A lot. Um, You can never be too safe. So... Even if I know the person who is running the show, I still want to like do my own research, see what the turnout of their past shows have been, seeing how they pay their performers, how they treat their performers backstage and things like that. Right. No, that's important. How many people would be attending like a, a show that you'd usually be performing at? It could be anywhere between five people to 700 people. Wow. Oh, man. <laughs> I have definitely performed for an audience of five. And just recently in St. Pete with a very amazing company called Andy Theatricals, we got to perform for about 600 people. Capacity wow. was 700. So we almost we almost hit almost our mark. Sold the whole thing out. So, wow. So it could be, it could be anywhere between that. What, what do you feel when... I guess, what's the experience for you with the five or the 10 people versus the 500 people, right? When you're on stage. For me, I always perform like it's a completely full house. Nice. Because you never know if one of those five people could be scouting you. You never know if one of those five people could be wanting you for something else, be a photographer, be a producer. You never know who's in the audience. And you know, that happened to me before where there were 
only I think about five people, only three people bought their tickets ahead of time. The oh. other two walked into the venue, not even knowing that there was a burlesque show happening. They were just like, oh, I'm here to get a drink. Oh, there's naked people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and someone in the audience ended up being a scout. So you never know. You always have to perform like it is your best night. Right. Regardless of who's there or what their intentions are for the evening. Right. So. Yeah. Cool. What What about for you on a like a personal creative level? What I don't know if I want to value is the word or not, but like, what do you get out of being on stage yourself? For me, it's about confidence, empowerment, embracing the sexuality that a lot of people don't know that they have. Hmm. Before I started dancing, I was very insecure. I didn't really want people to perceive me at all. Right. And as soon as you're on stage and people are screaming for you anytime you just like tease a little something, it is so exhilarating and so confidence boosting. And that's what I tell a lot of people who are thinking about getting into it. It is so good for you. It is so good for your mental health. Like you might think lowly of yourself until you get on that stage. Everything turns around. Come alive and you. Yeah. Be the person you're meant to be that way, right? So Exactly. Being a performer, and I think we've I've talked about this on the podcast with, with other people, you know, modeling is an interesting thing or performing, dancing, because you're a bit of a, you're an influencer and you have influence in people for that, at least that period of time that you're, you're doing your creation, right? So I, I guess with the pressure that comes alongside of that, what, what are some things that you do to kind of combat that angst that can be there right in the background or the, the possibility of somebody saying something that they don't, don't like your art or don't like what you're doing or whatever, right? Um, one thing I always have to tell myself is the audience does not know my choreography. They don't know if something was intentional or like unintentional. You may forget your choreography. You might fall. I've seen a performance where someone fell, but they were playing a character who was very um, broken inside. Mm. So me being an audience member, I thought that was really good acting. They well really come to the character. <laughs> and then they told me after the show, it was an accident. <laughs> but I, I, they played it off very well. Um, so when I'm extremely nervous before a show starts, I always have to remind myself, the audience is here to see you. They're not being critical of your form. They're not really critical of your costume. They're here because you're on that stage. The thing is, before my routine, you'll see me behind the stage doing jumping jacks. Is that because right? I, yes. <laughs> because if I am sitting still, I will think of a million reasons to be nervous. But the second I get my like heart rate up, I get my body moving, I'm completely distracted. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Doing the jig, right? So. Yeah. Another thing is practice, practice, practice. Any free moment. I never want to get on the stage with a subpar routine right. where people can tell she didn't really put much thought into that. Yeah. I always want to do my best. Any free moment, practice because it is a job and you have to take it seriously. How many how many shows a week are you able to usually do and, and how much time does that leave for practice and that sort of thing? I usually do at least one show a month. Um oh. sometimes two. Most of the time it's around two. Two. But at least I try to do one a month to keep myself uh, relevant. And then are you practicing in between that or how does that? I am. Anytime I have, I guess, a break period, 
I'm always going back to previous routines and thinking, how can I upgrade this? Mm. Can I add more rhinestones? Can I sew on this fringe? Can I change up the routine? I'm always thinking about elevate, elevate. Okay. So the the costume too is a part of the improvement that you you do and you make that yourself? Most burlesque dancers make their own costumes. No, really? Yeah. It's it's actually, for me, it's part of the art. I get to come up with it completely by myself. And it's not like I I picked it up off the rack. It's right. my own vision and it belongs to me. And I can say that I made this, like I put this on stage. Nobody's going to be Debbie Diablo except you, right? So. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Choreography piece, is that something you pick up from other people or how do you develop that part yourself? Um, I like to go to classes. So I like to go to some burlesque classes a couple of like jazz style classes because oh, cool. they're very related in their styles. Yeah. Um, that helps me to to get some ideas. I will think, oh, I didn't think of moving my body like that, right. and then that will help me come up with it. Just keep also thinking about yeah, thinking about my character as well. I have a Valentine's themed show coming up where I am nice. a candy girl, and obviously the candy girl is not sad. She's happy. She's a little sultry. So she needs to do moves that are going to bring out her personality so that the audience can see her character clearly. Right. Build up the excitement and the enthusiasm and stuff, right? All the way. So, yes. What have been some of the characters that you played and what's been a favorite? <laughs> so, I will say a fan favorite is Yoshi. Yoshi, really? Yes. <laughs> I am becoming known as the Yoshi girl. Every time I go to conventions, people will come up to me and they will say, were you Yoshi at Anime EY? (laughs) Even if I'm not in costume and I'll be like, yes. Yep. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Because nobody else is doing a Yoshi burlesque routine. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. (laughs) When that comes on stage, people are like, whoa. I didn't think I could be attracted to this character. Didn't see that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Another one of my favorites was I got to make uh, my own character that is like a haunted doll kind of character. Interesting. I got to sing one of my favorite opera pieces. It's from an opera called The Tales of Hoffman, where this character, Olympia, is actually a wind-up doll. She's a giant life-size wind-up doll. Exactly. She gets crazy. Too. I have like a bedazzled crank that goes with the routine. Nice. Well done. <laughs> and the whole character, um, she sounds like a robot while she's singing opera. So it doesn't sound real. And I wanted to pay homage to that original character in the show that I brought it to. I brought it to a circus burlesque show. I was able to make this Marie Antoinette inspired doll costume to go with it. And that is probably my favorite costume to date. Nice. Well, that would have taken some some thought and planning to put that all together too, right? So I did, yeah. Where do you uh, do you just go to the local craft shop and the fabric store and that sort of thing? Put your stuff together. Where do you bring um, I get pieces things from sellers on Etsy. Oh, okay. Because there's a lot of sellers there who either are or were burlesque performers, so they know exactly what we're looking for in a garment something that's not going to rip easily and something that we can remove easily without um the fear of damaging it so that's where i get a lot of my stuff and i also like to support small businesses instead of stores anyways 
So, yeah, there is a couple of times where I went to a local Joanne's to pick up some rhinestones. Right. But... Of course. That's cool. Though. What uh, And great way to increase your network, probably, and some of the people that are selling some of the previously used things and stuff like that, too, right? So Yes. Wow. There's a lot to that. I, I guess coming from somebody who's not in that world myself, I my assumption would have been that all of those things are kind of planned and you would show up and do the performing, but that's a that's a whole realm to create everything and put the story together. Right. So yeah, most of these burlesque shows are casted months in advance. Okay. I'm talking the winter show is going to be casted in July and you have all that time to craft wow. your costume, make your choreography and make your character. And a lot of people also make their own custom music mixes as well. I do oh. that sometimes. Okay. Um, so, a lot of companies cast way in advance to uh, make up for all that time. And a lot of shows recently have been incorporating um, choreographed group routines where it's like a finale number with everybody. Oh, wow. So that takes a lot of planning as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Do you guys all come together and rehearse that? Or is that something you plan ahead of time and just wig enter? Um, some do some, uh, like book a studio for all of us to get together. And then others, for the most part, they'll send like a choreography video. This is your part. Come to the venue an hour before the show starts so that we can run it. Things like that. Okay. Well, you obviously have to be fairly good at your craft beforehand, though, to show up yeah. and just do that. Right? So. Yeah. So you take some, some jazz classes and some other dance classes outside of the shows. What else do you do to prepare yourself kind of in that dancing sphere? Um, I always try to keep my body um, really flexible and fit because uh, just like any sport, you could very well injure yourself. Right. Um, I've had plenty of pull hips, um, twisted ankles. Oh. <laughs> so I definitely also try to incorporate a stretch a day as well as like keeping my body toned. Working out or whatever the exercise yeah. pieces and stuff too, so. Cool. What uh, I'll ask this one question before we move off the, the burlesque piece. What what's kind of your favorite part of the whole burlesque scene and the dancing and uh, being a part of that world? Ah, oh, there's so many favorite parts. I think uh, my favorite moments that happen is after a show, an audience member will come up to me and say, "You've inspired me." That fills me with so much joy when people say, "You've inspired me to try to get on the stage." Wow. I'm just, I, I'm instantly so proud and so just happy for them. Feel very just, full, right? Yes. Cool. No, that's that's a huge part of it. I think you probably touched on something there that a lot of people that want to get into it kind of miss is is you know performing, being in front of people, having an influence. We often think it's an ego driven strategy or action, right? But often it's really in a, a desire to see other people be inspired or help to encourage them to move on in life too right so i think that's that's what's driving you in the end that really is a big piece of, of making it right so yes i i always say i love inspiring people to find their sexy hey, there you go yeah on fire and i'm sure i'm sure you've done that a lot so we did talk a little bit beforehand and and you had some things you wanted to share about the the cautionary pieces of being in the industry and being in kind of maybe more vulnerable positions and states. 
what yes. uh, what are some things that people should be cautious about, whether they're getting into modeling or they want to look at being a, a burlesque dancer, anything like that? So I'll touch on burlesque first, um, and I'll speak based off of personal experiences. Sure. Um, just like I said earlier about always doing your research, it's very easy to get tricked into a bad deal with a producer. Mm. There are a lot of producers who will exploit their performers and i will say that in the sense that they will take their performers down just to build them up a notch uh. yeah which is so damaging and i went through it for so long personally that some people just like to bring other people down because it helps them shine brighter yes yeah so that is what i'll say about that and then the ethical um, paying, never settle for anything that is less than the industry rate. Like know your know your rates, know your standards, because there are a lot of people who unfortunately undercut, and that goes for um, venues as well. Venues like to undercut producers as well and prey on them because right. sometimes the burlesque world can be a little bit oversaturated, so it is hard to find a reliable venue right. and some. Ven- you um abuse that situation what, yeah. how, how did you you know when you start out it's always kind of like i mean you had your sister to help probably but maybe she knows maybe she gets some some background of where she got started but how do you identify those things like how do you know you're getting kind of screwed out of a rate or being taken advantage of and stuff because sometimes in your moment you don't really realize you know what's even happening right so um so for me i didn't know that it was happening to me right away because most of the things were things that were said behind closed doors. Uh, I would walk out of the room and people would be saying very untrue things about me. And that's just, you know, people are going to talk. But what was kind of the catalyst for it was that I witnessed it firsthand. So my sister is a plus size burlesque performer, very talented, very gorgeous, amazing Mm -hmm. at what they do. Mm -hmm. They were preyed upon by this, uh, this troupe, this producer of this troupe, oh my. Uh, who would body shame them. Good blatantly. Good sick. Yes. And the thing was, my sister is very talented. And I don't want to, I don't want to say, oh, just because they're my sister, they're talented. Yeah. No, <laughs> objectively, I can say that they are. So they started getting other opportunities besides being in that troupe. And the thing about certain people is once they see you starting to succeed more than them, that's a no-no. So then my sister became the next target, unfortunately, in that situation and was told things um, like, no one will ever hire you because of your body size and stuff like that, which also kind of fed into like a narcissistic personality because it was like, I am your savior. I'm the yeah. only one who's testing you. Nobody else right. is going to catch you because you look like this. Right. So that is also something to really look out for in the burlesque world. How long did your sister go through that? <sighs> Over two years. I was only in that troupe for two years, but they were in they were in it longer. Okay. So I'm not entirely sure how long they had to deal with it. Yeah. But even just two years is way too oh, long. That's to a long time. To be just victimized like that. What finally broke you guys out of that troop even and stuff like that? Did you just say, forget you guys um, were gone? Or? We, were, we were planning to leave for quite a bit. 
with everything going down, like things were just kind of getting worse. Um, and then uh, we we met up with some other friends who were also saying, hey, she's doing this exact same thing to me. Right. And it was very affirming because sometimes when you're dealing with somebody who is narcissistic, they're very good at manipulating people. They are very good at gaslighting people. Yes. Thing that they do is they make you feel like you're the crazy one. Weird. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll be here thinking, oh, well, she hurt my feelings. But then other people will say, oh, no, she could never. She's the nicest person ever. Maybe you're just like thinking about it wrong. Maybe you're a little bit too sensitive, which was very much not true. So when we were able to meet up with other people, who went through the exact same situations, it was like, okay, this is real. This is happening. We can't just pretend like yeah. it's just in our head anymore. That's we right. have to. And the fact that other people were also being victimized by this person, I didn't want to be associated with a troop that was abusive. Sure. I didn't want, when everything eventually would come out, mm -hmm. I didn't want people to say, oh, well, Debbie Diablo's in that troop. So is she like that? Yeah. I want people to know that I do not support those abusive behaviors at all. No, that's pretty wise. It's a mm -hmm. surprising. And I mean, I guess it's human nature just to, to blame it on anybody connected, right? But uh, when exactly. you're caught in the middle of it, that's a rough spot to be. So, so the narcissism thing is an interesting thing. And I know a lot of people, I, <laughs> I sometimes struggle talking to people that are divorce because they're like their spouse is always a narcissist right and it's kind of a general term that gets used more than anything but what are some of the signs that you would say you'd be watching for now based on that behavior someone who is definitely a pathological liar mm. doesn't even have to be a pattern to their lying um one thing that this producer did was like lying about payment oh, so that's a good one and it, yes and how she did it was she would tell everybody something different. She would tell this person that she's paying this amount. She would tell that person that she's paying this amount. Everybody was extremely confused. Nobody knew what was going on. Nobody knew what was the real amount. Um, so that's one thing to look out for, just pathological lying. Mimicking, but in the way that she, I don't want to just say like she is just her specifically narcissist uh what they do is secretly they're insecure that's why yes. they act the way they act 100 so, yes in order to lift themselves up they will observe the people that they think are shining a little bit too bright and they will start to pick up the exact same things that you are doing in the burlesque world it's copying your exact same routine mm. um, stealing a costume design things like that and then I guess also specifically for burlesque gig stealing is another thing to look out for. That is a big sign that you are dealing with somebody who does not have your best interests at heart. If someone like? comes up to a producer and says, Hey, I want one of your performers for this gig as a producer who you have these I guess, employees under you, you should be trying to get them these opportunities. You should be trying to advocate for them. But instead, when you're telling these other people who are interested in your performers, mm, no, she wouldn't be interested in that, but I would. That is huge red flag. Well, no business like show business, eh? <laughs> yeah. 
I guess like, so. <laughs> so so unfortunate because it it taints so many opportunities for people to do more and to grow as in in the work that you do, right? Just because you got to put up with garbage mm-hmm. like that, right? So exactly. What? So you you got a better? Is your partner your producer now, or do you have another? Um, so I work independently. I like to work with different companies. Okay. Um, so he has his own company that he is flourishing with. Um, I'm not in every show. I don't want to be in every show because that's not how that's not how our relationship is. Right. I will come see his shows, and he'll come see mine. Yeah. Uh, but I like to work with a bunch of different companies. Nice. What are some better habits that you put in place to? kind of manage yourself as you're finding different people to work with i'm going back to the always asking questions and even to the person who you're unsure about so if the person you're unsure about is saying oh i'll get your your contracts out soon i would double check that i would keep (laughs) i would keep nagging about that contract and that's i guess the biggest thing yeah and then not um like finding worth in myself Because another big thing was when I left that specific troupe, I was like, this is the end. My life is over. I'm never going to get a gig again. But then I have to remember my worth, it was not tied to them. I had to find my own confidence again. And that's um, allowed me to heal my mental health a bit more because I found my confidence in myself instead of in other people. That's good. It's about going inwards often more than trying to control the external things, right? So yeah what are some of your plans for the next few years where do you want to take this i would really love to branch outside of florida i want to be a traveling performer nice one of my dreams is to be a traveling opera singer um singing at the metropolitan opera the sydney opera house all those wonderful things and i just want to i want people to know my name get bigger and bigger and bigger as you yeah, sometimes when the industry is oversaturated, it's easy to feel invisible. Yes, not the truth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How to stand out in, in the way that you can, right? So, yes. How much opera singing are you doing now? Opera singing? Not much. Um, that Circus Burlesque show was my last singing gig that I had, and that was in November. It's harder to get singing gigs. Um, cause I never find any open auditions anywhere. Uh, so I guess that one's niche. a little more, yeah, it's a little more close knit. So it's kind of hard to find. Yeah. Keep plugging away at it, right? It will eventually start to, to unfold for you and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. trying to think to expand on that a little bit. What, what are some things outside of life that you're looking forward to in the next couple of years besides the, your art and, and, uh, the work you do? So my day job is a theater and music teacher. Cool. So I just got asked by um, the regional to write my own musical to wow. direct. Congratulations. So that is pretty exciting. A little scary, yeah, but sure. that's going to be such a wonderful journey to do and to watch my students grow in that. What does that all entail? Is it months of planning and lots of cast to set up and... Yes. Um, we just got through with our vocal auditions for it, even though I haven't wrote most of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I 
but it's going to take a lot of back and forth between me and uh, the people I work with about, hey, I'm kind of stuck on this scene. Where should I take this? Um, so it's going to be a long process. When is the show intended to go live? Um, I'm hoping in the fall. Okay. So you got eight, yeah. nine months of everything to get yeah. get ready to go. That's a, yes. big, a big thing. Um, how many students do you kind of work with? So I work with a couple of different schools and the like the class maximum is 15. Okay. Perfect. That's mm-hmm. kind of a nice size. Get to know everybody and yeah. not be overwhelmed. So <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Well, you've got uh, your foot well in the door of the entertainment world there. Very unlikely we're not going to hear more and more about Debbie as as time progresses and that sort of thing. Uh how how do we how do we get a hold of you? How do we follow you? How do you people if they're close by come to your show? Uh so I only have one social media and that's Instagram. Uh, so the Instagram is at the Debbie Diablo. The Debbie Diablo. Perfect. Yes. People can reach out and I'm sure you'll be posting whether you've got tickets or and that kind of thing around too, right? When, when you're going to be For sure, to yeah. My favorite question to ask, and I always leave it to the end because it expands a lot of depth in what it is. But uh, so you're on the path to having a big following in the social media world and the entertainment sphere. Uh, if by chance overnight you blow up and you have a million followers on instagram or whatever uh what what are some things that you'd really want people to know about you for themselves i guess that i'm genuine i want everybody to know that what i say is what i believe Mm. nothing about me is made up except for my costumes (laughs) that's just fun (laughs) exactly um and yeah I'm just honest, genuine person. Nice. And I'm quite confident that comes out in the work that you do and the things you create. So, well, we appreciate you jumping on, Debbie, tonight and taking the time to mm-hmm. share your story a little bit. And uh, I think this is a great opportunity for people to, to know a little bit more about you, the background. And thank you for being vulnerable and sharing the things that, uh, that you've done. So, Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yes, it is. Thank you. Right on. Hey there, really appreciate you joining the Influencer Insights Podcast today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I just would ask that you share it with a friend and give the video a like or the podcast rating, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite other player anywhere else. It really helps us share the message and grow this community as well. So thanks for that. Take care. Have a great day.